Welcome to the Sun Island. All right, exciting, exciting, exciting. I'm, I'm happy to welcome Philip Jones um, uh, from F uh, Fear to Fate Ministries. Absolutely. Um, Philip and I go way back. <laughs> way so, back. Way back. So this is not going to be the typical podcast that we normally do. We're, we're basically vibing. Um, right. Philip and I kind of have a little bromance going. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we're really good friends. And we've been, what, like 10 years now? At least. At yeah. least, yeah. So, um, you know, one of the main topics we're going to... We're gonna to touch on Philip is uh, you know the fear, mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna look at that in 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 details. Kind of touch on you know like your experience and and certain things that you've realized with that that thing that cripples a lot of folks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but let's kind of back up a little bit of uh, who you are, um, kind of a little bit of a background as to why you're like that person that is talk about fear and, and why we should overcome it. I appreciate that. So I, I am a licensed ordained pastor. Um, I have been uh, called uh, to ministry now for uh, over 30 years. All right. So what licensed and ordained means is that you've disciplined yourself to a course study and you had overseers to, to kind of monitor your production, your performance, and your commitment to, to the ministry. So ordinations are not something that's easy to come by. Um, there's a process, and uh, thank God I, I, I completed that process. And so, yeah, I have a license to, to, to serve in that capacity. So, uh, but minister is lowercase m. It's, it's not a title that, that you wear um, to, to brag about. It's a servant's heart. It's a commitment to wash feet. It's a commitment to truly help people. So I wear it humbly, but proudly. And, uh, you know, not the arrogant type of pride, but the, the type of pride that says I'm grateful for the capacity, the calling, and the gift. So that's what ministry is, is, is really all about, uh, so that people don't think it's a lofty ambition. No, it's, it's a submission to serve, you know. Yes. But the submission that you don't need to apologize about or try to explain, because the one who really appreciates the calling are the ones who are truly being helped by by the ministry. So I've been doing that now for um, over thirty years. Oh wow! Yes, sir. Yes, that sir. is that is profound. Um, you are helping people understanding their their religion. Um, yes. Understand their their own faith. Yes. Which brings us to the topic of hand, really, from fear mm -hmm. to faith. Yes. Elaborate. That's good. So um, I had some personal problems, uh, some personal problems that was getting in my own way. Um, even though I was a minister, uh, licensed ordained minister, and uh, preaching and teaching, um, but I had some personal problems myself, all right? And one day the Lord spoke, um, and there's a story about the woman in the well, or the, excuse me, the woman with the issue of blood who had a condition for quite some time, and no matter what she did, the, the condition didn't get any better, but she didn't get her healing from a physician. She got her healing from the Lord, so the Lord spoke to me, uh, directly, as directly as he called me and uh, gave me my prescription. And he told me that my problem was fear and my solution was faith. Um, so having heard him say that, now the seeking happens. You know, a lot of people look for things on the surface, but seeking is what we need to do when we go below the surface, when we get beyond the shallow and the reality check for me was this, that fear is our common problem, but faith is our common solution. What most people don't know is how to get from one to the other. 
How do we? Bingo, bingo. So when he told me that, I began to, to practice it. And as I began to practice it, I began to teach it. And as I began to teach it, it became an attractive teaching format to where I was counseling couples. Um, before I knew it, I was in prison ministry. But to answer your question, it is from fear to faith. The biggest problem people have with moving from fear to faith, particularly adults, is admitting that they have fear. That's the biggest problem. Because in our culture, it is not popular. It is not common for adults to say, I have fear. But when we look at our habits, when we look at our addictions, when we look at our dysfunctions, those are all signs that you have fear. Okay? The problem is, is that you don't see it as fear because you tend to be in groups that they have the same fear. Alcoholics. It's based on fear. Illicit drugs. It's based on fear. Um, gluttony. Obesity. Fear. Um, addictions to sweets. Fear. Not willing to change. Fear. That's a big one. The fear of change. Justifying failure. Fear. All of these things are fear. And unfortunately, it is common fear. Stay with me. But because you don't acknowledge them as fear, now you're afraid. So the biggest challenge, again, is to acknowledge the fear, because if you don't acknowledge the fear, you will end up being afraid. That is the biggest nugget for most people, because they think the two are the same. Mm. Fear is a level of caution. It's trepidation. It's the yellow light before the red light. We should slow down. Yep. We should be fearful of the intersection that's not going <laughs> where you're going. That fear tells you it's time to slow down. Mm. The fearless don't acknowledge the fear. They don't see the yellow light. They don't see the yellow light. And they proceed woefully across the dangerous intersection because their pride is that I'm fearless. Others didn't make it across this intersection, but I will. I can smoke this. I'm not going to be addicted. I can drink this. I'm not going to be addicted. I can eat this. I won't gain weight. I can go here and I won't get stranded over there mm. because I don't have any fear. Yeah. All right. And before you know the conditions of where they go to, because they didn't manage that fear, put them in a state of being afraid. So again, just to kind of recap, fear is the, the trepidation of caution that is actually God-given. Afraid is the dysfunction. It is more like a panic where you become in the analysis of paralysis. That's afraid where you become riddled and paralyzed in panic. Now, whatever momentum you should have had, now you don't have that momentum because, in fact, you are afraid. So God does not tell us to have no fear in that regard. He tells us to not be afraid. So I heard him saying this. I heard him saying this. And yeah, it settled me down. And now I'm kind of introspective to my behavior. I'm introspective to my thought patterns. And as I begin to distinguish the difference between fear and being afraid, now I had to acknowledge the next step. And again, God is speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And the next step was A, after acknowledging your fear, B, is inviting God into that fear. And I read one scripture where Paul 
prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And that's actually some of what I was going to dig into. Mm-hmm. Before you dig into certain scriptures, mm-hmm. and that's, I, 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 let's remember that's that because we're going to get back to that. Um, you mentioned uh, fear mm-hmm. uh, of change, mm-hmm. right? One important thing that you mentioned, I, I want us to kind of expound on sure. that. Fear of change. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned pride. Mm-hmm. So we're going to touch, we're going to back up a little bit and touch on fear of change. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another one that you said, justifying our failures, mm-hmm. right, and pride. So mm-hmm. we want to touch on those. Sure. And then we're going to hop into the scriptures. I like that. I like that. So fear of change. Mm-hmm. Expound on that. So fear of, of change suggests that I'm going to have to be different when I get to that place, I'm going to have to be different when I get this capacity. I'm going to have to be different when I apply for this job. So rather than embrace those personal changes, I minimize the opportunity. Mm. Okay? I don't want to say I'm fearful. I don't want to say I'm not capable. So I'll just say, ah, that doesn't work. That's so, that's interesting because people don't want to suck. No. And for you to get good at anything, you have to suck. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Continue. And, and, and so the, the change, and then again, the reality is, is that we all change. Babies stumble on the way to toddling. Children stumble on the way to running. So to stumble is to stumble forward in the process of inevitable change. We all change, okay? But those who absolutely matriculate, move into excellence, they embrace change. Yes. They, 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 They look forward to change. And I would imagine those same people, um, they have a more healthy relationship with failure. So absolutely, why do people? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a good point because, and and in that regard, it is not failure. I I don't call it failure. I call it falling forward. Falling forward. Here's an example in that regard. If I'm running and I fall, I stumble forward. Yes. If I'm walking when I fall, so every time I fall down. So every time you say running or any type of activity, no, Philip, I'm a, I'm a just imagine <laughs> you smoking. Yeah. Kid, that's your three times. Yeah. Your age, yeah. That's man. no worries. No worries. That's, no worries. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I literally saw you out sprinted a twenty year old. Yeah, like, that, how do you even do that, man? <laughs> that's a, that's a whole other that's a yeah, whole other topic. Yeah, we might touch yeah, touch touch yeah, on something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, he d- he didn't know who he was running against. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's could that touch on the uh, ability of pride, though? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, like, there's no way this guy could outrun me. And 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 another thing about fear that's not managed. Mm. This is a key point. Successful people manage fear. Okay. They manage it forward. Successful people are acquainted with their limitations. The first step to success is to know your limitations. How did you find out your limitations? Well, you executed a plan and you fell short because of talent. You fell short because of lack of insight. But it's no worries. You just acknowledge your inadequacies, if you will. But you didn't stop. He just said, I'm not good at this, so I'll do that. Hmm. I'm not good at the coming out of the blocks, if I could use that example. Oh, but my mid-range form. Smooth. If I could just get out the blocks and execute my my mid-range form, this guy's going to be in trouble. So I'm not worried that he's going to beat me out the blocks because there's no way he's going to beat me to the sprint because he hasn't been practicing what I've been practicing. So when I know if I'm doing it correctly, what my deficiencies are. 
I don't dwell on those deficiencies, nor do I deny the deficiencies. I acknowledge them. I, I embrace them. And I make those deficiencies actually my points of excellence, not because I get better at it, because I'm managing them. And that's the difference between having fear versus being afraid. Mm -hmm. If we look at that race as an example, most 61-year-olds would not even embrace the race. I love what you just casually say 61 as if you look and you look over you're looking like 45. That's <laughs> talking about yeah, 61. That's fine. I, and wow. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that's that. That's phenomenal, man. Yeah. Way but, to go. But, on but that. most people would not even embrace the race. That's true. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, that that's my former years or my later years, if you will. But no, I'm in shape. I'm actually in condition. So <laughs> And that's one of the that's one of the things I've loved about you over the years, man, is like your ability to adapt. Absolutely. Your ability to welcome change. Absolutely. Your ability to just revel in competition. Absolutely. I think it's 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 pretty excellent, man. And I, and I and I and I like that. That motivates me just being around you on yes, a, sir. On, a, on a regular basis. Yes, sir. Uh, it's hard for a lot of people to get to that to get to that point period mm -hmm. right in their life and i'm glad that you brought your age up you know right um but life is like sun island image right mm -hmm. or or a mascot mm -hmm. is a turtle mm -hmm. he's, he's cute right right uh sheldon the turtle that's just right. one of we, we got turtles <laughs> everywhere that's everywhere. actually sheldon over there right <laughs> and one of the main thing i think i've read somewhere that these things can live like 300 or up to 500 years yes they can live a very long time right and that's one of the thing it's not necessarily for their speed it's for endurance absolutely because in the industry that we're in energy is going to be here for you ever right and we're moving out of the uh, we're moving into a post fossil fuel era right 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 so the fossil fuel industry has been around forever right right the post fossil fuel industry is going to be around forever right you see therefore i use that as a constant reminder of time that i'm not doing this just for me sure i'm doing this for a future generation so i say that to say this that motivation or just um the, 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 those type of things that you embody mm -hmm. that pulls you from fear mm -hmm. to faith right. is enduring. Absolutely. And at your age, you know, I'm approaching 40, but a lot of times people will get in this mid-range mm -hmm. and figure that they didn't hit a certain target. They didn't buy that house yet or right. they didn't have the three and a half kids or where's my picket fence right. or why am I can't afford this ride? Right. And they just give up. Right. Right? Yeah. You have blown past that and you have kept going with a lot of motivation, a right. lot of vigor, and a lot of drive. Like, right. where does that come from? So that, 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 that's a good question. So my, my daily motivation is just that. It's, it's a daily motivation. Um, we, we talk, and I, I can't um, get around this, this point, what the Lord showed me about moving from fear to faith is just like a, a television. Stay with me. When we're watching TV, we're actually seeing clips, thousands of clips, frames they're called. And we're seeing those frames all connected together in sequence. The truth of the matter is that there are moments of darkness in between each frame. But because the frames are moving so fast, our eye can't perceive those moments of darkness until we get another image disrupting it. Like if we're watching TV and we look at a TV on the TV, that TV will in fact be doing this because the sequences are, the frequencies are not sinking. You've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what's happening. That Those flashes are not in sync with the flashes on the TV you're watching. But the truth of the matter is that there are moments of darkness in between 
the illustration, moments of darkness in between the performance, moments of darkness in between the successes, moments of darkness in between the pinnacles. I and other successful people, we've just got good at moving through the cycle. So every day we wake up, we look forward to moving through the cycle of going from fear to faith. So I don't look at seasons. I don't look at phases in my life. Some people look forward to working 30 years and then retiring. Some people look forward to getting married, having children, and riding off into the sunset. I look forward to the sunrise. Let's go. I, I, I look forward to, to high noon. I look forward to 3 o'clock. I look forward to 6 p.m. Because what I want to do is rise with the sun and fall down with the same thing every day. But you can't do that if you don't know how to move from fear to faith. I just don't get stuck. You don't get stuck. I don't get stuck. But I don't get stuck because I've been practicing going from fear to faith for so long now that you don't see the darkness. See? I'm, you don't see the moments of doubt. You don't see the moments of anguish. You don't see the moments of pity. You don't see the moments of anxiety because I'm quickly moving from fear to faith right in front of you. And you, you never see that I'm afraid. Yeah, it's just pivoting, doing what you need to do. Bingo. Make sure that, uh, but that is a great quality to have because like just with the advancements of science, mm -hmm. health, um, uh, you know, we, we are projecting to keep living further mm -hmm. In, right. In, you know. But the only, only pushback I would give is that you call it a quality. And sometimes a quality is mistaken for an endowment. Explain. A, a, a quality is something that people believe some have and others don't. What I just described to you is not a quality. It's actually a skill. It is a mental skill. Just like listening is a skill, it's not a talent, you can become a better listener. Right? Yeah, definitely. You, you can intentionally become a better listener. Some people think he's just a good listener. No, he's just a good speaker. No. Well, I like your attitude, but all of these things can be developed. Your thought patterns, that's a, that's a mental skill. You're listening. Those are those are deliberate, intentional skills that come across like a quality. They come across like a talent. But the reality is it's something that you're developing every day. So that's that's the only thing, because I don't want anybody to misinterpret that. It's like, I wish I could be like him. You know, yeah. he's just lucky. That's that same happens with when they look at me. Well, thank God you were blessed with good health. You're 61. If I was blessed with good health like you, I'd be doing the same thing. No, I changed the way I was thinking. And now what you're looking at is right in front of you. I don't say that to brag or boast. I'm just saying that my thinking was arrested. Hmm. And I began to develop a different way of thinking, a different way of listening. How would you suggest that people get that skill? How, how do you train your mind? The biggest hurdle is what I mentioned initially is admitting you have fear. Think about it this way, Sheldon. Babies, when they're afraid, what do they do? Cry. They cry. <laughs> they cry. Yeah. You think a baby's embarrassed to be crying? No. A baby cries to get your attention. Hmm. Touching on something. Babies cry not only to get your attention, but babies cry because they don't have the verbiage to express and articulate their feelings. But a loving parent, you'll figure it out. The older you get, the less crying is an accepted behavior. Doesn't mean that you don't have fear anymore 
doesn't mean that you don't have trepidation anymore. You just don't have places to express it, talk about it, or get it analyzed to get help anymore because you're grown now. I was I saw something recently that um, there's a tiny portion in your brain. It's like this big, hmm. like in the back of your head. I can't remember the exact name of it. Uh, Shellen is probably going to help me out, kind of remind me what's the what's the part of the brain that's uh, uh, that's uh, you know work with fear. Shellen, try to try to see if you can find out with your, with your smart self. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyways, that portion of the brain, um, it's so small mm -hmm. and it fires so much. Mm -hmm that it can actually shut down the entire brain. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fear. Right. Like from a physic, physiological right. standpoint will right. shut your yeah. body down. Yeah. Um, it's a paralysis. Yeah. You're paralyzed. So with something like that, that's so profound in just our being, I mean, you got to work to overcome that. Absolutely. And absolutely. What are some of the stuff that you recommend that we do as human beings? That's a very good question. To overcome that. Right. So the, the first thing is Give me a second to fill it. Uh yeah. Shellen, you're moving slow, man. I thought you'd uh, <laughs> oh, uh no, we, we we found it. I did I didn't want to interrupt you guys, but it, it is the uh amygdala. Della, amygdala. Amygdala. Like. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're smart. All right, you can be quiet now. So the right. amyg uh, the what, Shellen? The uh, amygdala. Amygdala. Uh, okay. amygdala. Amygdala. It's yeah. A M Y G D A L A. That amygdala. is the spell. Amygdala. Yeah, the amygdala. Thank you, Sheldon. It's a t okay. Thank you, Sheldon. <laughs> I need to be All more right. respectful. You're to You're welcome. You're, you're welcome, Philip. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, amygdala, right? It's a tiny portion of the brain that can shut the whole thing down, but sure. um. So with something just being physiological, right? Right. Um, that affect your life. Right. Your external life. Like right. what are some of the stuff that you recommend that so you that's, see? that's good. Yeah. So so you, you have to be a very introperspective. Okay. Number one, um, which means that you can't be overly concerned about your or others' perception of you. Okay. I have that on my car, and most of us have that on our car if you got a, a newer model car. Your car will tell you when you're falling too close. Oh. Okay? And because of those sensors, if you keep following too close at a certain rate of speed, it will stop. Mm. It will stop. It will stop your forward progress. Okay? So you start to train yourself. You start to train your behavior to slow down when you need to slow down. Be perceptive left and right when you need to be perceptive. Um, decrease speed accordingly. All of these are fear factors. But if your goal is to be fearless so no one will see you acknowledging these fear factors, you'll ignore the fear factors. So to directly answer your question, pay close attention to the fear factors. There are like three significant fear factors that will let you know that you're not doing a good job of managing your fear. Again, fear in and of itself is not bad. It's unmanaged fear that turns into being afraid. That's the problem. So, so the first thing that will let you know that you have fear is anxiety. I'm anxious about an outcome. I'm anxious about an outcome that I have no control over. That's anxiety. The, the second one is frustration to where I'm more concerned about your behavior than I am my behavior. So I'm frustrated because you're not doing what I want you to do or society ain't doing like bingo. Uh, so I'm frustrated. And before you know it, I've gone from that to anger. A lot of people are watching CNN and Fox News just mad bingo. all the time. Bingo. Like, Looking at stuff that's completely out of their control, anxious about something that they're not prepared for. And as a result of those two things, you end up being angry. 
Like, we can't control interest rate. No, you can't. And a lot of people are mad about it. No, you can't. No, you can't. Okay, keep going. I, so, yeah. so, but getting accustomed to managing your frustration level, managing your anxiety, managing your anger, these are all sensors that are letting you know you're not managing your fear. And if you don't manage those fear factors... Now the anxiety, now the frustration, now the anger turns into depression. Now you're stopped. Now you're in the paralysis of analysis, which, by the way, is where most people are. But you know how we cover it? We cover it with addictions. See, if, if, if I'm depressed, but I'm in a group of people who are alcoholics. Doesn't feel that depressed anymore. True. If I'm depressed, but I'm always finding myself at the buffet with other people who are at the buffet, doesn't feel that depressed anymore. So we find ways to anesthetize ourselves from these feelings without really addressing the cause of those feelings. And it, it gets deep, but it doesn't have to be deep because we all have these sensors. And you will get to a point where I don't care what you think as I'm monitoring my sensors. I'm not concerned about your perception of me as I'm monitoring my sensors. You can go ahead and be fearless. Mm. You can go ahead and cast off restraint and be the hero of the moment that never made it past that intersection. And people say, whoa, that was a brave guy. No, he was stupid. That was an idiot. Yeah. Because he wasn't monitoring his now, instead of walking and talking and loving and caring and still being here for his children, which is, by the way, when I end up getting good at this, people wanted it and I end up being in prison ministry and in prison ministry, I was talking to a lot of people and I had said, raise your hand if this is where you wanted to be coming out of high school. I said, raise your hand if you said one day when I grow up, I'm going to be in prison. I said, raise your hand if that was your ambition. No one raised their hand. So then what happened that you ended up here? And for one reason or another, most of them would say, I, I wasn't managing myself. And you and I know in business, if you're not managing yourself, someone else will. Yep. Right? Yep. That that you don't manage, you lose. Repeat that. Yeah. That. What you do not manage, you will lose. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you touched on ministry in, in a, a, a prison environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you come across a lot of stories and, and stuff like that. Um, we did touch on uh, pride a little earlier, and mm -hmm. I wanted to expound on that some. Mm -hmm. um, how is it that you've seen pride impact those folks? Or just, just share some stories, you know? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll share a brief one. and Because uh, I ended up teaching this class in um, a state uh, jail uh, here in uh, Harris County, Texas. And... Um, I know initially, Sheldon, when I started teaching the class of going from fear to faith, I would go inside these 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 bunks, if you will, these these cells, and no one would come down for the teaching. Just by the very title of it, from fear to faith, no one was coming down to embrace the teaching, and I realized because most of them had too much pride to admit that they have fear. Most of the things they did to get there were as a result of trying to show somebody, I'm not scared. This guy sold drugs. He didn't make it, but I ain't scared. This guy robbed a store and he didn't make it, but I ain't scared. This guy was abusive. This guy was a gambler, but I'm not scared. This guy was a thief. I'm not scared. So all of you are here because you weren't scared. And look where it got you. But little by little, as the pride began to fall, as they began to realize, you know what? Maybe it was fear. 
that I wasn't managing. Maybe it was. And little by little, God blessed it so that that empty room that only had like two or three people in there, in like four weeks' time, I walked into that same area with standing room only. Wow. People honestly realized that, hey, I am here because I had fear. And we began to talk about the difference between being fear or having fear and being afraid. Now they're not trying to be fearless as they exit the program. They're trying to be faithful. Because brave is not the absence of fear. It's no, it's not. Have fear and proceed accordingly. accordingly. With skill. Yeah. With mental skill, physical skill, physical equipment. The firefighter who runs in the building that everybody's running out of, they're running out in fear of their life. He's going in in fear of you losing your life, not in fear of losing his life. The difference is he goes in with equipment. He goes in with training. He goes in with a level of ambition. So now, though he has fear, now he, he, with the equipment, the mental equipment, the physical equipment, he moves in faith. Mm. See? He faithfully executes his assignment, his responsibility, even though he has fear. Because most people are waiting for the fear to be gone before they move forward, but courageous and brave people they move forward with fear, which is exactly what we're talking about, being faithful. Be faithful with what you have trained for. Be faithful with what you have been given. Be faithful while it's day, because when night comes, no man can work. Be faithful now that you have the activity of your limbs. Be faithful now while the opportunity is in front of you. Yeah. Um. I did mention that I wanted to talk about some biblical stories mm-hmm. um, that you could process or kind of just inform on some of those stories that uh, illustrate. Sure. You know, famous Bible figures who yes. move from one from fear, fear to faith. To faith. Yeah, the, the, the one that most of us will recognize, they probably never looked at it this way, is a biblical character by the name of Paul, who was once called Saul. Saul, as the scripture defines him, was wreaking havoc against the believers. He was assaulting them. He was corralling them. He was trying to stop the movement of Christ. Well, he wasn't the only one. He was just spearheading assault. He was spearheading attacks. He was spearheading a movement against what God had already prescribed and ordained. And what he was doing in his assault, what he was doing in his mission against was all fear-ridden. He was trying to stop something that was completely out of his control. That's all fear. Fear is a learned behavior. Why was he trying to stop it? Because other people were trying to stop it. But the Lord arrested his attention. But when the Lord arrested his attention and the Bible says knocked him off of his beast, he asked a very profound question. That is, Lord, what will you have me to do? And most people won't ask the Lord that very simple question. What will you have me to do? because we're concerned about the conditions. We're looking at people. We're, we're harboring our excuses. So we don't ask the Lord what he would have us to do because we don't want to change. Mm. But Saul, arrested in the moment, blinded by the reality, heard the Lord and responded to that authority and ask the Lord, what will you have me to do? And because he asked the Lord, I believe, that one question, you and I are talking about Paul today. Without Paul, there would be no Romans. Without Paul, there would be no Corinthians. Without Paul, there would be no Thessalonians. Without Paul, there would be no Timothy. Without Paul, the majority of what we call the New Testament, all the letters that we read, they were written by Paul. Somebody who transitioned from absolute fear to, to faith. obvious faith. Uh, absolutely. It's 
yeah that's uh that's a great that's a great story you 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 a lot of the understanding that you've known now from just your ministries and mm-hmm. um understanding that whole concept fear to fate you've used it um in the uh career in sales absolutely okay um kind of balance balance it for me sure 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 so so when you understand the philosophy of going from fear to faith when you actually practice the fundamentals of going from fear to faith in a spiritual realm you absolutely pull that into any secular endeavor the way I've pulled it into this endeavor in sales is the same way. I acknowledge the fear. I ask the Lord what you will have me to do. He speaks to me. I get peace, and I move in the direction. Just do the work. I just do the work. I just do the work. Let out. And I don't have anxiety about the results. I don't have frustrations in the activity. Nor do I have any doubt about the outcome. I just simply do what he told me to do. Let's talk about sowing seeds. Okay. And and I, I want you to kind of that's a good one. Paraphrase or kind of just there's another story that about sowing seeds. Absolutely. That's that's a good question. And in sales, that's all we're doing, right? That's it. We have to take out our ego. We gotta take about take out what you cannot control right and put the work in absolutely to execute what you can right and oftentimes that's sowing a seed right sowing a seed of a conversation sure uh sowing a seed of enlightenment yes um sowing a seed of friendship yes uh to individual that may or may not want your product right but you got to let it be heard sure i know there's another story um, that's related to sowing seeds. Absolutely. And I'd like you to articulate that um, for folks to kind of get an idea Perfect. of I how important that. sowing seeds are. Yeah, so there's a scripture that talks about the sower, and it says that the sower went forth to sow. And it talks about the different conditions that these seeds fell. Some fell on good ground. Some fell on thorny ground. Some fell where they had not much depth of earth. So as a result of where the seeds fell, the conditions from that fall varied. If they fell on good ground, then it would flourish. If they fell on stony ground, then other weeds would choke it out. If they fell on shallow ground, it would grow, but the heat of the day would burn it out and they would no longer cease to be. So people extrapolate from that scenario, I need to look for good ground. And that's not what the writer was saying. Because even though it's talking about a sower who went forth to sow, it never said where he successfully sowed the seeds. Hmm. The passage only talks about where the seeds fell where they fell en route to sow. On the way to sow where I thought I should sow, some seeds fell. So God doesn't bless our strategy. God doesn't bless our plan necessarily. God doesn't endorse our he actually disrupts it sometimes thank you god doesn't <laughs> god doesn't in, endorse i say yeah that's a good plan yeah that one will work what he's trying to show us is that there's so many things you don't know just go forth to sow just go forth to sow and don't look back ah be a sower and the produce will be there. Be a sower, and some of those seeds will be eaten by the birds. Be a sower, and some will look like they're about to grow, but will quickly wither away. But be a sower, no matter the conditions, no matter the outcome. Be a 
sower and leave the end results to me. That's what God is saying. We think we're wise enough to survey the premises, say, yeah, I'm going to plant right there. We think we have all the data. We think we have all the intel, all the insights, and it's not in your data. It's not in your intel. It's not in your insights. It's in your faithfulness to simply go forth and sow every day. I must work while it is day, for night comes when no man can work. And sometimes during the course of the day, I sprint. (laughs) Sometimes during the course of the day, I walk. Sometimes during the course of the day, I stand. Sometimes during the course of the day, I rest. But whatever I do, I do it deliberately because I just want to go forth and sow. The number one reason, in my opinion, and this is going on almost 10 years now in direct sale, mm-hmm. um, is people sow according to the weather. Ah, They sow in accordance to how they feel. Ah. They sow in accordance to who's cheering them on. My goodness. They sow in um, short spurts. Mm-hmm. These are just coming to me as I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. People don't sow to sow. Yes. How in a sales environment, right? Because that's what we're transitioning to. Why do you think people don't sow to sow? They're just sowing for just either short-term reward or some type of shiny object. Right. But they're not sowing to sow. They're not going forth to sow. Yeah. So so you and I have talked about this. What's a very good question, by the way. But that may lead us somewhere else. But, you know, I talk about energy, excitement, and enthusiasm. Energy is something that we need to have before the day begins. Excitement is what others see. If I have energy, if I'm sincerely excited about what I have in terms of product service and my responsibilities, if I'm sincerely responsible, sincerely excited, sincerely optimistic, collectively that's enthusiasm. Energy is what we have. Excitement is what they see. Enthusiasm is what we transfer. To answer your question, they lack enthusiasm. If I rub my feet on the carpet when the humidity is dry, I keep rubbing my feet on the carpet. That energy that builds up in my body through that static. If I reach out and touch you, mm-hmm. the shock is inevitable. Yes. But if I haven't done that work, if I haven't stored up that energy, I can touch you, but you won't feel anything. I can touch you, but you won't notice anything. So to answer your question, I can put on the shirt, I can put on the garment, I can put on the hat, I can show up for the training. But if I don't have sincere energy and genuine excitement, there's nothing to transfer. You're empty. Empty. You can lower the price on the product. But if I don't have an excitement, if I don't have energy, I don't have anything to transfer. You can say free today and I still couldn't give it to you because I don't have any enthusiasm for what I do. You can say I'm going to pay you $100,000. But if I don't have energy, if I don't have excitement, I'm not going to transfer the enthusiasm of that product or that service. And I'll say it fundamentally this way, Sheldon, talk is cheap. People say many things. People could tell you they're not afraid. True. But your actions are clearly showing that you don't know how to manage your fear. Yeah, you're afraid. If you don't know how to manage your fear, you're afraid. (laughs) Absolutely. You're afraid. You're afraid. How do I know? Because I've been there. All right. I've been the person who signed up to do something, but I was afraid. I've been the person who committed to do something, but I had no enthusiasm for it whatsoever. And the results speak for themselves. 
Absolutely. Yes, sir. Sales is, uh, uh, yes, you have to have that uh, energy, enthusiasm, and you know, transfer that excitement, emotion, mm -hmm. transfer of emotion. Mm -hmm. Some people don't do the inner work, right? To have that that energy mm -hmm. that that needs to be transferred. What are some of the things that you would suggest for a say? Because you know you have like you. you I mean, you just said it. You're 61, right? 61. You have a lot of life experience, and you've been in sales for how many years now? Um, 23, 24 years. A lot years. of years. Mm -hmm. So uh, a young guy who is trying to come into this career, sure. what would be advice to them getting into a sales? The thing is, I'm a big pro I mean, I have a sales company. Sure. In your... What what you have a lot of time when you're younger, mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. What you have is a lot of time and energy. Mm -hmm. For that time and energy, if you're not going to get a professional degree, mm -hmm. like there's no other career to do except sales. Absolutely. We agree. Like there's none. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to get a professional degree, mm -hmm. like a lawyer, a doctor, or a mm -hmm. specific skill that you love and you want to do like a mechanic or... Mm -hmm. Don't waste your time. Go sit in a cubicle. Right. Right? I am a huge proponent of that. But we've been raised or, or, or cultured mm -hmm. to think that we're going to sit somewhere. Right. Somebody's going to pay us. Right. Yeah, they may pay you for two years, but then right. they kick you out. Sure. Right? How do we you encourage or get that through to a young 19, 18, 20, 21-year-old? Who have the time and energy, but zero money, mm -hmm. to get into a career that they probably thought mm -hmm. or was conditioned to think was spammy, right? Uh, to even begin with, right? Right? How do you? How do you? Well, I would. I would first of all arrest their attention to disregard that no one that they know of significant monetary success got to that place working for someone else. That's the first step: is to get them to realize. If your money's not making money, A, or if you're not being paid by the transaction as opposed to being paid by the hour, <laughs> you will not matriculate into wealth. That's the first thing to get that young person to realize that reality, okay? And so they'd have to see the opportunity as it relates to other successful people. What vehicle you choose to get there, you just have to acknowledge that you will not get there doing it strictly this way. Either your money's making money or you're wasting time. Absolutely. Okay. Then secondly, to realize that the people who don't have to be there at the place you work are the people who are actually making the money. If you have to clock in, if you have to go there, if you have to show up to make money, you're not making the money. It's the person who doesn't have to be there yeah, you're just exchanging time for money. That's it. And the only way to exchange time for money is if you plan to be a vampire. Bingo. Like, are you going to live forever? I always say that right. jokingly, but that's the only way to right. exchange time for unless that's you plan it. to that's live it. forever. So, so, so once we realize that, now I have to realize, so what does it take for me to become a business professional? What does it take for me to become a, an entity in and of myself? So the first thing I did in that regard was to realize, okay, I work for one boss now. It's getting me nowhere. If I work for others, then they're all going to be my boss. So go from employee to sole proprietor, sole proprietor to business owner. That should be your mindset in any sales capacity. Because if someone is going to pay you to push a product or a service, essentially what they're saying is, boom, this is your business. Yeah, you are essentially your business. That's what they're saying. So now I'm thinking about not how do I get paid by the hour anymore because that paradigm doesn't exist anymore. Now it's how do I get paid by the transaction. Rather than get paid by the hour, how do I get more transactions <laughs> into the hour? Yeah. In order to do that, you have to develop a different skill set. And that typically means that you start reading books, not about products, start reading books, not about services, but start reading books that are going to help you 
deal with, negotiate, and work with people. They don't teach those classes in college. Yeah. They don't, they don't teach those classes in higher institutions of learning. And, and to bring it back from fear to fate, I think a lot of it is just they, they, they're fearful. Yes. Um, and, 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 and with some honesty, it's you may not see somebody successful in that endeavor. Mm-hmm. Because, again, um, we like you're in sales. Mm-hmm. You're going out there with the machete clearing the field. Yes. You're putting the first seeds in the soil. Right. Right. Everybody's coming behind you Mm -hmm. to reap or process. So they don't even look at it as that where you should be proud. Right. Your job is to create job. Right. In sales. Yeah. And if you look at it and realize, but but that kind of comes with the mindset of being a business owner. Right. But you're not a business owner yet, but you should be looking there. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. In for for example, in in the solar space, somebody with a sales experience, mm-hmm. right, goes out there and make a sale. Mm-hmm. Now, a site survey become employed. Ah. An engineer. Right. Become in, installers. Installers. Right. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, operations. Right. Right. It's so much employment you create just by your intention. Absolutely. Of knocking on somebody's door. Picking up the phone, right. having an in, uh, 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 intent, right. intentional conversation, right. and create that. Right. So it's like it's not, it's not realizing what you're really offering. You're not fully knowing your true worth. Right. 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 I, I've heard you said something before at some point. Uh, I'm not sure if it was you though. Where you says, um, I might be paraphrasing, but you know. All career uh, starts with sales or something Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Right? You, you, you can't picture any industry, industry yeah. that doesn't have a sales component. Correct. It's the automotive industry. There's a sales component. Transportation industry. There's a sales component. Logistics industry. There's a sales. Hospitality. There's a sales component. Yeah. Like, and, and think about this, not to interrupt yeah, no, you. you. Think about this. Hospitals go out of business. Think about that. How does that happen? That a hospital can go out of business is either sales or accounting. So everyone has to forge out relationships in order for the product or the service to be implemented. Yeah. So but that salesperson who forges that product forth to to mass, we absolutely get paid for that success. We don't get paid like the person who clocks in after the negotiation, after the transaction, we get paid for creating the opportunity. Yes. So that just speaks into the simple fact that a job is never uh, security. No. It's it, insecurity. A job is never security. Right. No. Security. Security. And, and, and that's, that's why I said to, to younger uh, uh, guys and, and girls who are trying to get in, 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 a, in a sales uh, type work is you're creating a secure form of always be able to earn an income right. when you know how to sell products, right. services, or whatever. Sell, right. period. Mm-hmm. Because you are cre- you're literally creating your living from thin air. Right. Like, you know the level of security that brings? Right. If you don't, if, if you don't have that, right. and you're... Job. It's a very is, good point. Is to procure, procure right what a salesperson create right. Like if he doesn't make a sale, you don't got a job. Right. If he doesn't make enough sale, you right. don't got a job. Right. So what is job security? And a lot of people confuse That's a very good having a job with security. Right. Yeah, and it is in fact insecurity. But but it it's although it's exciting that to be in a position to create. Uh, economy, because we're at the pinnacle of the economy in that regard. This also comes with responsibility. Mm. You follow what I'm saying? There, to the extent that we are free as pioneers, we also are equally responsible for. Take away the responsibility and you'll undermine the freedom. So the responsibility to flesh out the opportunity is a ongoing mental development. 
because we are using our mind where someone else is using their hands and someone else is using their back. Someone else may be using a finger to simply push a button, but we, because we're at the forefront, because we're at the jungle of it all, we have to constantly use our mind. Yeah, um, it's... uh Man, I could talk to you for hours and hours. Likewise, brother. It's it's definitely a, a, a privilege getting to talk into you in this setting because we talk yes. all the time, right? Right. But in this setting where you can get to share some of just the wealth of yes, knowledge sir. that you have, uh, we we're gonna have to do this on some co-hosting type deal. Yes. And on the road. Absolutely. So, um, hey, one love, brother. Right back at you, man. It was I a appreciate pleasure. you. Sure, this yeah, this was fun. Yeah, I like the uh, headset type deal. I'm I'm hearing. Yeah, it was kind of sliding off a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>